And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason, a podcast where we take a look at the issues, discuss the things that are going on in this world with a biblical perspective. I'm Son Edom, along with Dan Dalzell. And, and Dan, you know, we take a look at the world that we live in, and we, we look at the things going on. I mean, recently uh, we went through a big storm here and where we're at and a lot of people lost power a lot of people lost their you know food because the electricity went down you know a lot of different things that are related to you know a significant power loss which happened over a two three day period in fact i think as of you know five six days later after the storm we we went through um, people were still out of power and then you look across the the country and you see like in california you've got the wildfires, I guess there's a, a mega fire now going on in California, people being evacuated. And you think back at the, the loss of, of house and, and possessions and valuables and even memories sometimes, you know. And, and recently, you know, I went through a move and during this move, you know, we had movers come and, and uh, transport our stuff, ship our stuff. And, you know, when it arrived, it was all damaged. And, you know, it was like no one even cared to take any type of precautions in moving and moving and, and realize that this is somebody's valuables, this is somebody's possessions, and we're going to treat it as such. And they just decided to, you know, destroy everything and break things, and they didn't really care. And so when we take a look at these things that go on, you know, we, we're reminded of the fact that, you know, we're supposed to lay up our treasures in heaven and not on earth. Because on earth, you know, the Bible verse talks about, you know, do not lay up your treasures on earth where, you know, moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, where movers break your stuff, you know, where fires burn your house down, where floods destroy, where, you know, electricity, power outages will, you know, wipe out your food that you just bought at the grocery store, you know. And so there's a balance, I think, between laying up your treasures in heaven, which is where we should be doing it, but also, you know, the valuables, the possessions, the, the memories, you know, the, the family heirlooms that are passed down from generation to generation. And when we look at that and we come across people that have had significant loss, like for me, I look at my so-called loss, and then I compare it to people that had their houses burned down in California. I didn't lose that much significance compared to that. But then when I look at the stuff that I did lose, you know, my grandmother had some things, uh, you know, had some furniture pieces that I now have that were, you know, many years old that she used. And so it's like there's a balance, but I think it's okay to also go through this earthly world and have things here on earth and have things here that we value, that we possess, that we want to have and be a part of us and be a part of our lives here. And so um, just thought maybe we could kind of touch on that, you know, the balance between laying up our treasures in heaven, but also having some things of value here on earth that we treasure as well. You know, I think it's a great topic, Son, and, and of course, they're just so sorry to hear about what uh, what you and your family have been through with the movers, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, there are people facing storms and, and facing all sorts of, of issues in this world that bring tremendous frustration or even just the ultimate uh, experiences of, of, you know, losing a loved one, say, I mean, how, how about the, the, the terrible uh, collapse of the condominium in, in Florida where these people are just going about their daily life and just kind of like on 9-11, all of a sudden the building there and comes crashing down. And so many, you know, they, they lose their lives. I mean, it just reminds me, Son, of what Jesus told his disciples when he said, in this world, you will have trouble. And, but then he said, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And, and, 
you know, we, we, we live in America and, and, you know, so often here in America, the American dream is lifted up as an ideal. And, and, and I think in one way or another, we, we get these ideas, even sometimes from certain, you know, preachers maybe that, you know, we can have our best life now. We don't have to have problems. We don't have to have trials if we have enough faith. Um, you know, as long as we do everything and trying to do things God's way, then he's going to keep these things from, from touching our lives. Um, but, but really the, the, the biblical message is different than that. Um, the, the, the biblical message is that, that, you know, Jesus promises to be with us through the, the events of this life. The disappointments are included in that, the, uh, the, the loss of, of material things at times, uh, or like I say, far, far harder than that is the, the loss of loved ones. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's, it's important that we maintain a, a balance in our thinking um, in, our, in, in, in our perspective, in, in the sense, Son, that um, we're all guilty, I think, of, you know, we, we start to get consumed with maybe something a, a bit, you know, that we have, and, um, and, and then maybe we lose it or, or it breaks. Um, I mean, I've done it. I'm sure you've done it. We've all done it. You know, maybe it's a vehicle, you know, that gets damaged, or maybe it's the other personal property, or maybe it's a, a loss of income or a loss of, you know, I mean, there are all sorts, hundreds of examples. And, and so I think as we attempt to hang on to these things loosely, I think it does come back to Jesus's words where he says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so what I hear Jesus saying in that song is that if we're not living every day with this deep awareness and, and reminding ourselves constantly that we are strangers here, that heaven is our home, um, that everything here is, is passing away, um, we, we start to get settled. We start to get comfortable with what we have. We start to um, you know, assume that we're going to get to keep the, the stuff that we have. And when, when ultimately the treasure that we, we, we have as believers resides within us. You know, the Bible says we have this treasure in jars of clay. So the fact that the God of the universe has chosen not only to come into this world and to redeem us by his sacrificial death, his, his suffering on the cross, and then his glorious resurrection, not only did he do that, but then he chose to dwell within us. As, as Jesus told his disciples, you know, if you love me, you'll obey my teaching, and, and uh, my Father and I will come and we'll make our abode uh, with you. And, and, of course, our body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit, but but what many theologians believe, and I certainly believe uh, Jesus was teaching this, is that the triune God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come to make their abode within us. Yes, the Holy Spirit, but but also Christ. I mean, you know, uh, the Bible speaks of, uh, of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I, I say all this just to say that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons in one God, um, He is with us all the time even in the midst of, of these um, materialistic uh, uh, frustrations that we have at times when, when things break or, or, or we lose things or, or far worse when a loved one is uh, facing a, an illness or, or even death. Um, but we have the Lord with us. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. So, so this, this is the challenge then um, to maintain that mental and spiritual focus, especially at those times when, 
our mind is coming under the assault of what just happened. You know, the, the hardship, the affliction, the, the thing that, you know, and like in your case, I mean, whoa, I mean, you know, you, you, you pay somebody to take care of your things and, and they do just the opposite, you know? So it's like, Oh my goodness, you want to pull your hair out. Um, so, so, but, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but, where, how does that fit into the big, the, the big scheme of, of my life and of, uh, of the fact that Christ is my savior and that Christ died for me, you know, how, where does that fit? And, and, and so this is, this is the balance that you're talking about, son. And so, yeah, I think it's a wonderful topic that you've chosen for today. You know, Dan, you mentioned the, uh, the mental aspect of it. You know, we've seen in the past year, year and a half, a lot of mental illness uh, emphasis kind of increased because we had the lockdowns and people were staying home. And now as people are starting to get back out there, we're starting to see kind of a different type of readjustment. Um, you know, for example, there's people I've seen online, you know, celebrities. Uh, I think Kim Kardashian was one. I think there was somebody else actually talking about how they had a fear of coming outside. They had a fear of going outside because they're so used to being indoors. And, and, it, and it seems that, you know, Satan will use anything they can, whether it's a fear of going outside because you might get sick or whatever's going to be, you know, bad's going to happen, or it uses a fear of kind of anger because we lost something, you know. Um, Bible says, thou shalt not kill, and I had to kept keep telling myself over and over and over again because it's like how can people become so incompetent and deal with things and take on a project you know and it's not just with this one particular incident there's been several things along the way where I look at people and I'm like are you kidding me you know it's like are you really in this business and you really have no idea what you're doing or you're really providing this service and you really have no idea what you're doing or you want to do something and so you're asking me to help you out but then you have no um, intent of following through on your commitment. And so after a while, you know, it kind of takes a toll on us when we're sitting there and going through these things kind of right now through life. It's kind of like we still have to reassure ourselves and rely on God so much more because if we take it to ourselves, I mean, I was reading a story just uh, the other day about, uh, and I still haven't really fully comprehended what exactly went on, but Richard Sherman, you know, played in the NFL. Here's a guy that a lot of people think had it all. And then he's apparently trying to break into his girlfriend's house, his wife's house, whatever, and he's kind of going right. nuts trying to figure this thing out. And I'm, and I'm trying to read, and I'm still kind of confused as what what went down. But it's like, you know, even, even people that we think have it together are still being tormented, so to speak, and attacked by Satan trying to destroy us. And we have to even further remind ourselves that, you know, we need to be in the word. We need to be able to, you know, reach out to God and rely on him and his understanding and know that this place that we're in right now is only temporary. And we have to keep our goals and our visions on the long term, which is life after death and all eternity. You know, son, I think this is exactly the point that the New Testament makes over and over again. I think it's exactly the point that Jesus makes over and over again. You know, I, I know there are those in the world who like to criticize Christians for talking about heaven. But I'll tell you, son, if I didn't know what I know, and if you didn't know what you know, and if believers didn't know what we know, not by our own, you know, intellect or, or smart, you know, whatever, we know it through the Holy Spirit, through the word that's been revealed to us. If we didn't know what we know, then I might have that same perspective. So I, I have to remind myself, you know, not to um, look down, certainly, on those who have that view, but to understand that that's where I would be, son. That's where you would be. That's where any of us would be apart from 
the the wisdom that God gives us in His Word about um, about eternity, you know, and 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 so I think that that is the very thing that we continually need to go back to. Um, and you know, it, it was kind of like Sonic. I had an email from a guy here uh, yesterday, in fact, um, and, and it's a topic that you and I have talked about multiple times here in these podcasts. Uh, you know, you may remember there was an article that I'd written here a year or so ago. You know, why didn't God prevent COVID? And, and so basically, you know, what he was asking me in that, in that, uh, you know, uh, email of, of a number of paragraphs there, but his main point was, um, does God want people dead? I mean, that was his main point. And he gave some biblical examples and, and some things where God, um, you know, you know, did certain things in the old Testament and the new Testament, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I thanked him for his question. And then I addressed that, 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 that very question, does God want people dead? And, and, and I talked about how, um, you know, if God wanted people dead, he would never have sent his only son, uh, to, to suffer and die for our sins. But I think the very first question I, 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 I posed to him is what are people, what are people, you know, if you're going to talk about the Bible, he was quoting the Bible. He was asking these questions, but then let's look to the Bible. Uh, in the Bible, man is created in God's image. Man is is three persons. Uh, I'm sorry, man is man is three in one. God is three persons in one God. Man, who was made in God's image, is is, is body, soul, and spirit three in one. And, and and so the fact that man's soul is immortal and will spend eternity in one of two places. Um, this this is is so huge we 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 can hardly even describe the the significance of that sign and and it and it must impact everything we do because if this life on earth that we have is as the bible says it is just a blip on the radar screen um if this life is momentary and passing away or as james says you know what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes if the Bible is true, that we have this treasure in jars of clay, and we put all this together, we start to see, son, so I guess this is why Jesus said, um, in this world you will have trouble, uh, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In other words, you who are a mist, you who have an immortal soul, you who have a treasure within you that is beyond any earthly treasure, uh, you know, spiritual riches in Christ that are beyond anything this world can offer. Um, that is what I've given you as my son or my daughter. Um, yes, then, son, it makes total sense that we would fix our eyes not on what is seen, the Bible tells us, but on what is unseen. And and if we get accused of being, you know, pie-in-the-sky Christians who just want to bury our head in the sand, our response can simply be be this. I'm not going to bury my head in the sand, but what I am going to choose to do by God's grace is bury my head and my mind and my thoughts in the facts. And the facts are not what, 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 what you're talking about. The, the, the facts are what my creator says about me and my soul and the new body I'm going to have in heaven and, and, and the fact that he's with me, not always to just remove my troubles, here on earth, but to bring me through them with as much grace and, 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 and patience and, and witness as possible. So that's our challenge. And, and Christians in the world who are suffering persecution, um, they're at the front of the line in terms of just, you know, examples of, of what it means to be um, staying with Christ, even though you're going through hardships. 
And, and uh, yes, son, I, I think you hit it on the head. It does boil down to always keeping in mind the eternal perspective, because otherwise, I mean, we could be so devastated by the loss of some material goods or even, you know, some financial loss or, or, or another kind of loss. So um, this is the message of the Bible. This is what Jesus told us to do. And, and it's not burying our head in the sand. It's burying our head and our mind in the word of God and his promises, which give us tremendous hope. And so, so that we don't have to go out and, 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 and commit suicide. We don't have to just, um, you know, turn our back on God and say, you know, all is lost. It's like, wait a minute. Um, if he's living in me and I have eternal life in paradise with my Lord, but I'm going through a very rough storm right now, how is all lost? You know, uh, the Bible says, wait a minute, time out. Don't believe your senses. Don't believe what your mind may be telling you. Don't believe what the devil may be telling you. Don't believe the thoughts from your sinful nature. Um, hang out with some other Christians, get encouragement from them, but most of all, dive into my word and believe my promises. And it's amazing, son, how that gives us a new perspective and, and, and just uh, an, an outlook. Uh, well, the Bible says we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And even more than that, it says we have the mind of Christ. So, so with Christ living in us, he gives us this renewed perspective, even in the midst of these things, which humanly speaking are terribly frustrating, even to us as Christians, obviously. Uh, I, I mean, we're human. So we're susceptible to all the same kinds of anxieties and frustrations that the world has. If we, if we cling too tightly to those things, um, but we, this is where we have to remind ourselves, don't we, of who's, who's we are and, and, and what he's given us so that we don't lose heart, so that we don't lose hope. And, and, and so we see the light that is definitely there at the end of the tunnel, whether, we, whether we're choosing to look at it right now or not, it's there. You know, Dan, one of the things that I find fascinating every time we uh, have a conversation and we talk and share experiences is there's always somebody out there that either you might talk to or maybe I might talk to that in this case it was you when they say, why does God want something bad to happen? And it seems that that seems to have a universal uh, appeal, I guess, to people because as I think of things, okay, the stuff I'm going through, now I don't blame God for this happening. I don't blame anything, you know, or if, you know, you look at the fires out West, you know, I'm sure people are, you know, who've, who've lost things or even during the right. pandemic, you know, maybe someone got sick and lost a life and, you know, the, right. the surviving members of the family are mourning, you know, they're blaming God. And it's interesting how right. we always go and blame God for things yeah. when yeah. you take, when you can take a look at it and be like, well, why are you blaming God would be the question. You know, why would you ask a question? Why does God want people to die? Well, obviously he doesn't. Um, right. you know, why did right. God allow these people to get COVID and die? Well, we don't uh-huh. think God allowed it to happen, but uh-huh. obviously there's a reason it happened. Um, right. you know, and then people, what people forget is, you know, I think it goes back to our own responsibilities. You know, man fell, uh-huh. man is sinful. We have a sinful nature. We do bad things. You know, I do bad That's things, right. you know, and, and we have to remember that, you know, some things that go on is the is is because man is sinful and man has a bad heart so whether yeah. it's me losing some stuff to breakage because somebody in a warehouse mm-hmm. somewhere was lazy didn't care had a bad attitude i don't know whatever um is it because right. you know right. there was a, a fire that burned some houses down in california you know yeah. so people are gonna blame mm-hmm. god for something that could be you know yeah. lightning strike 
and and hits yeah. a and hits a tree yeah. and sparks a fire. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. And so to yeah. go to the blame yeah. God thing is always kind of interesting because it's like, why do we go there first? Well, you you know, son, it reminds me of, of of the scripture that says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So Satan, you know, what's amazing is he accuses Christians all the time. You know, um, he hates Jesus. He hates uh, Christ followers. He hates those who have the Lord living within them. So he'll accuse a Christian at whatever point he thinks he can, you know, um, uh, try to pull that Christian down. So like, for example, um, you know, he'll, he'll accuse a Christian. Well, you're, you're, you're not really a, a believer. If you were, you wouldn't have messed up like that. And, and, and so he'll accuse a Christian of not belonging to Christ or he'll accuse. This, this is the even bigger one. I think he'll accuse Christians of, well, look, if God, if God, you know, wasn't mad at you, this would not have happened or you would have gotten that job or you wouldn't have gotten sick or you wouldn't have had that financial setback. So he's always accusing, accusing, accusing. And in the world, you know, in its in its um, human understanding, because it doesn't have spiritual understanding, um, at least not not godly understanding, not true understanding. It has may, maybe other spiritual ideas that don't come from God. And, and the world, in its in its understanding, thinks, well, look, you know, if God's all powerful and God's all loving and this and that, then why didn't God stop that? You, you know, one point this guy made in his email to me was. Um, he said, well, you know, with all the Christians who've been praying that, that, that there'd be a cure for COVID, I mean, why hasn't God answered those prayers? He says, you know, uh, Jesus said you can ask for anything in my name, you know, and, and, and the Father will do it. Well, and, and so one of the things that I, I wrote to him was, was, was that, you know, um, you know, there have been millions of, of, of believers who prayed for a cure for cancer, um, but just because God hasn't seemed to cure at least the, the physical, you know, aspect of it, you know, uh, hasn't maybe cured all the bodies of cancer, it doesn't mean that God has deserted people. Um, he still uh, provides the ultimate healing to anyone who will turn to Christ. I mean, we're all going to die. None of us expect or want or, or would ever, you know, want to die from cancer. But we're all going to die physically. And, and so the fact that, that some die tragically from cancer and some have, you know, died tragically from COVID, far more from cancer, of course, than COVID, you know, my, my, my point to him was, um, you know, uh, just because we have some unanswered questions on why particular people have died in a car accident or from cancer or from COVID, okay, just because we have these questions, that does not disprove that the God of the universe chose to send his only son to suffer on a cross and to die for our sins and to redeem us and give us eternal life in paradise. All it says is that we have some unanswered questions. And these, and, and many of these questions that are so troubling like that son, they truly are above our pay grade. I, I know we, we like to think that, um, that we, we can have all the answers. And, and uh, I, I, you know, I was very gracious in my reply to that guy. And I wasn't, you know, I told him it was an excellent question that he asked, you know, does God want people to die? And you have to meet people where they're at. And, and I don't think it was wrong for him to ask the question at all. Uh, but, but unless you look at things from the biblical uh, perspective, unless you see things the way God sees them, you know, like you said, son, it's so easy then to blame God. Um, and, and we're very good at that. Our human nature, you know, especially our sinful nature, uh, the basement room of our soul, we're very good at blaming God when things don't go our way. And, and so unless we step back 
and look at the big picture. Um, and, and as I, as I told uh, this gentleman there in my email, I said, Hey, um, you know, sanity is, is basking in the love of God. Um, you know, anything else um, that, that results in or flows from, you know, say blaming God, that, that just produces spiritual insanity. Um, there is no sanity uh, in the soul uh, when you're blaming God. I mean, look at Job. I mean, Job did a great job for quite a while of, of just maintaining his his uh, his attitude and he kept his mouth shut. But eventually, you know, he, he kind of did start to question God some after all he had been through. And then, you know, um, there toward the end of the uh, the book of Job, the Lord says, hey, now, okay, it's my it's my turn. You know, let me ask you a few questions. And I was like, where were you when I'm, you know, creating the world and putting the stars in place and, and figuring out all these foundations? I mean, where were you, Job? So it's like, and it really humbled Job. And Job's like, oops, you know, um, I was wrong. Lord, I, 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 this is above my pay grade. Um, I don't know, nor do I need to know, at least in this life, I, I may not know why you allowed me to lose all these things, my possessions, my family, um, all these things. Um, and, but by the way, you know, when Job began it and when he ended it, he was a righteous man, the Bible says. Um, but, but if Job, who was a righteous man, their son, if, if he could be brought to question, uh, the Lord, then, um, there will be times when, when we as Christians may find ourselves in that same boat. And, and it's just, uh, that's when more than ever by God's grace, we, we want to try to fix our thoughts on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And no matter what the world says, like, just like Job's so-called friends, well, God's deserted you and God's against you and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's the world's perspective. That's all they know. All they know is that when things go bad in this life, then God is mad at you or God is against you. And, and, and there are even some, you know, TV preachers who, who preach this, this perverted message that, you know, if you had enough faith, you would never, never have to experience any sickness or any financial setback. And, and, and so they're setting people up in the most horrible way. I mean, uh, it's really a diabolical message that they're giving because they're, 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 they're pointing people to basically their view of God on, on their earthly circumstances. And, and, and that is such a, uh, a dead end path because we're all going to encounter, I mean, ultimately death in our lives and our family members' lives, physical death. But in the midst of that, um, we have this treasure in jars of clay. So, so that's, that's what, what we have as Christians. That's the challenge. And, and the Bible says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So when we go through these things of loss and everything else, the challenge is to cast our anxiety on the Lord. And, um, and, and, and then we can help one another to do that, uh, knowing that he cares for us. Even though our circumstances might be screaming, God has forgotten you. God is against you. God hates you. Um, son, we just simply can't believe those lies from, from Satan because they're simply not true. You know, Dan, as I take a look at, you know, some of the things that I've heard from the pulpit and at churches throughout my time going to different churches throughout my life, you start to, to wonder if, you know, the church itself hasn't created a problem today for itself. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'll be talking to Christians and there'll be something, well, here's an example, and I've used this example before, but it's a perfect example. So... When I was working for the Frank Sontag Show, a Christian talk show in Los Angeles, where you and I originally met, one of the questions that we asked was, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, and you know, was it John fourteen six? Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me." 
Right. And so he posed the question, simple question, read the verse and ask the simple question. So is there another way to heaven besides Jesus? And so we'd go to the phone calls and people, they would give us their, you know, kind of their biography. Uh, I've been to church. I'm a lifelong churchgoer. I'm a Christian. I've been baptized, you know, give me all the answers. Went to Sunday school, VBS, you know, uh, summer camp. And yes, I believe there's more than one way to get to heaven. And it's just astounding to think that, you know, people are there believing this when the Bible specifically says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so I'm wondering if, you know, throughout this seeker-friendly, sinner-friendly, let's, you know, remove the Bibles from church, um, you know, all this other kind of theological or or church-based business that America has grown into, if we've kind of lost some people in the theology and, and the way they believe and what they believe by preaching, you know, the message that people are preaching out there, which isn't a biblically based, but more political or woke based or, you know, PC based theology. Yeah, I think that happens all the time, son. And I think what we end up with when we don't ground ourselves and then other believers in the word is, is the roots don't go nearly as deep as, as they need to go. Because when the storms come and they will come, okay, it's just like what we experience here in Omaha. I mean, um, I can't remember, son, feeling a, a wind against the, the house, the windows as strong as what we had. Now, many people have gone through, you know, tornadoes and things, but we had, we had winds here in this recent storm. They say, you know, uh, you know, 80, 90 miles an hour. Um, and, and, and so there were things, there were some things uprooted. Now, if that had been another, you know, 20 or 30 degrees higher than that i mean we've seen even more you know trees and so forth uprooted but my point is um when those storms come um the roots need to be deep and in in the book of ephesians son it, it, it talks about being rooted and established in love um, and, and, and it addresses the, the, the spiritual riches that, that, that we have in Christ. Um, and, and unless we are growing in our relationship with the Lord who dwells within us, unless we are growing in his word, when those storms come, um, we will be uh, in many ways uprooted. I mean, hopefully not from, from faith in the Lord, but, but certainly from, um, from peace and, and from um, just a, a biblical understanding of what's going on. So spiritual maturity is um, so critical, and that can only come through the Word. So to go to your question, I mean, if we just give people these other things, you know, these, these political messages or, um, you know, uh, other things that are not just, preaching the word, not grounding people in the word, not training people in righteousness, according to the word, then we're not going to develop mature Christians. Um, we're going to end up with, with a lot of baby Christians. And, and, and think about it, son. I mean, you know, when a storm comes, um, the, the young children are relying on their parents to know what to do and how to try to keep them calm. And, you know, do you need to, do you need to go to a certain place, uh, you know, in the house or whatever it is. Uh, but, but, but just picture, you know, if you have all baby Christians, let's say in a, in a family or in a home, um, then, and, and you really haven't trained yourself to turn to the Lord in those situations, um, it becomes much more problematic. So, um, yes, we, I think we are in a society where, um, you know, we, a lot of, a lot of churches 
are not preaching the word. They're preaching other messages. They're doing other things that are not, are not helping to equip people to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And, and ultimately, it's the word of God guarding our hearts, guarding our minds as we hold on to it tightly within us. And, and it reminds us, it strengthens us, it, it fills us. In fact, you know, that passage in Ephesians talks about us being filled with all the fullness of God. And, and I'm reminded, Son, of, of the seven churches that Jesus addressed in the book of Revelation, where that seventh church, the church in Laodicea, the Lord had nothing good to say about them. And, and, and he said, hey, you, you, you think, you know, that, that you're wealthy and acquired all you need, and you, but, you know, you're, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And, and, and so he, he counseled them uh, to turn to him. He, he, he counseled them to, um, to turn their hearts to repent. He said, those I love, I rebuke, and discipline. So, so sometimes I think, Son, that, um, you know, the Lord does use some circumstances sometimes to, to rebuke his people um, who are just maybe living in, in, in sin and need to be, um, you know, rebuked and disciplined by the Lord. Um, but, but many times, you know, you, you look at those people like Job in the Old Testament, you know, Christian, you, you're doing nothing wrong, and the hardship you're facing, it's not like God's disciplining you for something, meaning, you know, like, like trying to correct something wrong. He's, he's just allowing you to go through this as, as a test of your faith. We hear that a lot. You know, God is testing me. Um, well, the Lord does allow things to come into our life um, many times as a test. And, and then it's just a matter of hanging on to him, kind of like the disciples in the boat, you know, when the storm came up, nobody told them they had to freak out. Nobody told them they had to lose their faith. And when I say lose their faith, I mean, um, their faith at the moment. I mean, they still had faith in the Lord. I, I have no doubt in that, but, but they weren't trusting him in the moment. You know, sometimes it's easier to trust God for eternity than it is for the things of today. And, and, and they were losing their faith for the moment in the storm, even though, son, Jesus was right there in the boat. But is it any different with us? Jesus is even closer to us than in the same boat with us. He's within us. He's dwelling within us. Christ is, is living within us, the, the indwelling Christ, the indwelling Savior. And, and, and so unless we remind ourselves of that and call upon him and say, Lord, you know, I'm starting to freak out in my, you know, in my emotions and everything, but Lord, keep me calm. Lord, I give you this, I give you this in my life. And, and unless we do it immediately, um, we're going to, we're going to be like those disciples in the boat. We're, we're, we're going to just be, Oh, we're going to drown. I'm a, you know, uh, you know, doom and gloom. And, and that's all we can see son in that moment when we forget about the Lord. It's kind of like um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said one time, uh, he said, you know, when we're tempted to sin, and he was that great, you know, that great Christian in, in uh, Nazi Germany and, and who was standing up against, you know, Hitler and, and, and all that Hitler was doing against the Jews. And, and so Bonhoeffer said, um, when we're tempted to sin, he said, as, as Christians, he said, it's not as though, um, you know, we say, I hate God and God hates me. But instead, what we do is we just, we just kind of forget about God and we do our own thing. And, and that is such a good insight because that's exactly what happens to you and me and every Christian son when we are tempted. I mean, hopefully not, you know, all the time, but, but many times if we take our eyes um, off of the Lord, we're not saying I hate God, but we just kind of forget about God. It's like, oh my goodness, how am I going to solve this problem? Lord, I, I mean, I didn't expect this to come my way. You know, what am I going to do? And so that, that's the dilemma that we find ourselves in as Christians. 
And, and it's really no different, Son, than how maybe, let's say, a, uh, well, let's say a, a seven-year-old child might, might respond to uh, uh, something in the home that happens uh, a, as compared to how a mature parent, you know, will hopefully respond to that same, uh, that same situation. And, and so a mature Christian uh, many times will respond differently than, than, than a baby Christian. And, and, um, and sometimes I suppose, you know, we, um, as, as, we're, as we're growing in the Lord, we find ourselves kind of wavering between the two, you know, but, but spiritual growth only comes from the word and from training in the word. And, and that is how, um, that's how the Lord helps us to grow up. You know, Dan, when we first started talking, uh, on the show was talking about kind of the frustrations of life coming our way frustrations when, you know, there's things out of our control that happen, like let's yeah. say movers destroying property in transit, yeah. uh, a fire, yeah. you know, coming and burning our house down, uh, a storm yeah. with 90 mile an hour winds knocking out electricity mm-hmm. or knocking over a tree onto your car or a tree right. limb, you know. So a lot of things and some of that we can understand, but yet others we get frustrated and we get mad and and we want to be able to, you know, have some sort of um you know, finale to it, some sort of, you know, Hey, you did something wrong and we need to rectify this right. so that it favors us. And then, you know, right. as we've been getting, continuing to talk, you know, we kind of go down different, different things. But when we take a look at the world and we talk about the frustrations of trying to rely on other people, I, I read recently yeah. that, you know, Los Angeles, which during the pandemic had one of the uh, strictest lockdowns, mass mandates, et cetera. Right. You know, they got right. open. They were open, uh, mask free, yeah. I guess, from my understanding. And now all of a sudden yeah. with this new Delta variant, you've got the mask mandate for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. You have to wear a mask if you're indoors again, kind of going backwards yeah. when everyone thought we yeah. were going forwards. Yeah. And, and, and so there's yeah. a lot of frustration again coming from that. And, of course, a lot of people are blaming the frust- their frustrations on people that are unvaccinated. And that seems mm-hmm. to be like the running motto, you know, blame the unvaccinated. And, and, and so again, when we go back to that blame game again, you Mm -hmm. know, and you, and you go back to, you're putting your faith in something, a vaccine. I mean, um, there was a a sports commentator, uh, Rich Eisen on the NFL network, who's fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And apparently he has COVID now, uh, many, Mm -hmm. many ball players, you know, I know the New York Mm -hmm. Yankees right now is of our conversation. You know, they're going through Mm -hmm. uh, a COVID thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Aaron Judge was just at the All-Star game in Denver not too Mm -hmm. long ago, and he has COVID now. So now there's some concern Mm -hmm. that, you know, how's that going to spread through Major League Baseball? Um, But the key is there's people that have been vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Uh, There was somebody from the Huffington Post that I read some journalist or something who had uh, fully vaccinated but got COVID and blamed it on. Yeah taking yeah. care of somebody who was unvaccinated kind of, you know, yeah. leading to the leading me to kind of read that she wished she didn't take care of this unvaccinated person, you know, and that's what it's, right. it's become to. It's like, it's like we've thrown out all humanity, all decency, and we've just yeah. kind of blame unvaccinated people. We blame something other yeah. than the fact that, you know what, there's something here that God has put, let me put it this way. I knew a guy, Phil Michael, he was a, a, an adventurer yeah. and he would like, and his goal was to summit Mount Everest and not only summit Everest, but go up and mm-hmm. over and down the backside. And he was never able yeah. to do it because uh, the Chinese government wouldn't allow him entry into China. And mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. were talking about Everest and, and summiting mm-hmm. and, you know, all the, we've all heard the yeah. stories of people losing their life. And I was asking him about right. it. I said, okay, so what happens if somebody in your party gets, mm-hmm. runs into trouble? You know, oxygen yeah. levels get low, you know, 
And his whole point was that right. I'm going to take care of the person. There's always a way to to help the person, okay? Mm-hmm. Because you can mm-hmm. always go back to Everest. Now, his his right, right. His accessibility to Everest might be different than maybe other people, but but his right, purpose right. wasn't okay. At all costs, I'm going to summit. His thing right. was here's people. And if I have to abandon mm-hmm. my dream of going up and over, I'm going to focus yes. on on people, and yes. and and getting them down off the mountain. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. he 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 passed away. But but here's the thing: in, in that spirit, mm-hmm. real quick mm-hmm. side note, he was yeah. uh, I think in in Washington, Mount Rainier, and mm. um, some people had gotten lost, and a storm came in. And he was able to get them down, and he won an award for that uh, from the agriculture of ah. the Department of the Interior. So his, so yeah. in his quest for all these things that he wanted to do, people were always on the front, helping people, saving people. So yeah. in the end, when he eventually passed away, what happened was he was in Nepal, and he was scheduled yeah. to come home, but he decided to stay a week later to help somebody mm-hmm. in Nepal that wasn't that was that was ill. So I was sick. Wow. And so he wow. stayed. And in that extended stay, from my understanding, mm-hmm. he got bit by, yeah. I guess, a poisonous beetle or stung by a poisonous beetle. And that started oh. some ill effects that eventually ultimately led to other symptoms, other uh, difficulties, and eventually led to his death. And so, yeah. you know, so I think about that and I think about the conversations we had with him. He wasn't a believer, but mm-hmm. we talk about God all the time. But yeah. even even him. You know, here's somebody that would abandon going to the summit of Mount Everest, everybody's dream, if he needed to help yeah. somebody. And we need to be, yeah. I think, more like that. Put ourselves and put ourselves like like Jesus. You know, Jesus died yeah. on the cross for no reason. You know, he didn't he didn't yeah. deserve to die, is the point. Yeah. We were the ones yeah. that deserved to die. But Jesus yeah. in our place took all that pain and suffering, put it upon yeah. himself, died on the cross so we wouldn't have to. And so I think that's the mentality that, you know, we need to start thinking more alike is more like Phil, more like Jesus, you know, sacrificing, you know what, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. And no matter what happens, I'm going to accept, I'm going to accept the fact that I need to take care of somebody regardless of what the outcome might be. I'm going to help somebody because that's the right thing to do. I'm going to believe that God is bigger than a mask. God is bigger than a vaccine. God is bigger than anything that comes away here on earth. Now that's not to mean we don't be irresponsible, but still, right. we put our faith in not science. We put our faith in a God that created science and know that no matter yeah. what happens, good or bad, he's mm-hmm. in control. And as long as we believe in him and accept him and repent of our yeah. sins, what happens in the end is we're going to be with him in all eternity and all glory. And it's going to be way better yeah. than anything we experience here on Earth. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, 100 uh, percent. I mean, um, I, I think about, you know. What, what, what Paul wrote, you know, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And, and, and so the, the troubles right now as huge and, and as immense as they seem, um, they'll pale in comparison to the glory that we experience in paradise. And, and as you were, as you were sharing that song, I was also, um, reminded of what, of what we, we've heard many times in different, you know, television interviews with people when they're standing outside their, or their home, their neighborhood, their community, when a tornado has come through. And, and you'll hear people talk about how 
you know, I mean, you know, obviously there are many who have lost their lives in that, but for those families who, who have loved ones who have not died in that, that's what they're talking about. You know, it's just like, you know, we can replace these things, but, but we can't replace these relationships. And, and so what, what that should say to us on is, is that, you know, it's these most important things in life that that we would be wise to keep the focus of our daily life right now the relationships um you know with our family with our friends with those and most of all with god um be, be, because at the end of time son all that's going to matter is uh you know for a person uh you know was i a friend of god um you know he wanted to be my friend he 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 offered his only son i mean jesus even told his disciples you know uh, i've not called you servants uh i've called you friends you know and um uh you know of course they were they were called to serve and 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 uh, you know it's very appropriate for um you know for a person i mean I, I think about this missionary from india vj that you know i've prayed with many times over the years and, and he'll I, i'm struck by he'll often be referring to jesus as master in his prayers which is very biblical but we don't necessarily always hear that uh, you know in in someone's prayers you know master master well but it but it's it, so it's a willing service god has made us willing he is our master but he's also our friend um he he is our redeemer um he's all of these things he's the king of kings he's the creator of the world he's the second person of the trinity but but when people lose their possessions um what are they looking to you know are, are my loved ones okay and, and if only son if only people would do that with the lord today that that's the path to salvation where where, where you start to look at hey um you know, who am I going to be standing before on judgment day? Who am I accountable for with my life? Um, who is the one that determines or, or says whether I'm going to be entering, you know, heaven or hell. And, and if I, and if I go to the love letter that he, he gave uh, to his people and, and I see that there's a way there for me, whether I'm Jew or Gentile, there's a way there for me to get on the narrow road. Um, because the Bible says God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And, and no one should ever have to worry about, well, does God want me? You know, that guy's question to my, uh, in the email to my article, it was, does God want people dead? How about personalizing it? Does God want me dead? Does God want me to go to hell? The answer is no, no, clearly no. Uh, in Ezekiel, we're told the Lord says, I take no, no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Peter tells us that the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So this is the critical relationship that a person would be wise to make the priority of their life today. God first, you know, and then, and then, and then their loved ones after that and, and, and loving other people, um, you know, all included in that. But um, this is where we, we kind of lose our minds, son. We lose our minds uh, over material things. We lose our minds over money. We lose our mind over uh, temptation. Um, you know, uh, I, I was looking yesterday at the cover online to the New York Post, and there were like, um, I think I counted 11 stories maybe, and, and six of them had to do with, with man's brokenness uh, when it comes to sexuality, um, you know, uh, wh whether it was like sex workers who were, you know, working in Brooklyn and not really being arrested or whether it was uh, Cuomo and some sex allegations there on and on and went, just all of this, all of this stuff. It, it just illustrates how broken man is in his approach to virtually everything. 
you know, his approach to God, his approach to sex, his approach to material things, his approach to other people, his approach to other nations, his approach to other races. I mean, you name it, Simon. Man is a diseased and broken vessel. And, and that should be very, very obvious to us. Um, and, and our only remedy is Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he offers through the cross. That's our only remedy. Uh, man is broken. And whether the New York Post realized it or not, they were advertising man's brokenness and, and how sick man is in his soul. Um, and, and that's all of us. You know, we, we, we all have a sickness called sin. Uh, we have a disease in our soul uh, that, that makes us um, just, it's just putrid to the Lord. And the only thing that can cover that and, and, and bridge that gap is the blood of Jesus Christ. And then rather than being putrid to the Lord, um, we become his, his cherished children and he becomes our cherished savior. Uh, but, but it, 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 but it took the tremendous agony and suffering of the son of God. And, and so son, we have to keep going back to that, which is what I did to my email to this gentleman. You know, um, I, 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 I went back a number of times to what, what God did in sending his son, what Jesus did for us on the cross, because when life doesn't make sense, and that happens all the time, when life doesn't make sense, we have to run to the cross. Um, we have to run to the cross. You know, there, I'm, I'm reminded, son, uh, I forget which island in Hawaii it is, but um, there's a particular hill that people run to on this one island when the, when the, when the storm sirens uh, begin to sound. And, and they run to this hill, and there's a cross up on this hill. And I, I forget even the reasons why um, that hill is where they go when, when, when the sirens are, are sounding. But, but, but it's very um, uh, illustrative of, what, of why we need to run to Jesus when material things break, when finances go down, when health goes down, when all is lost. You know, if you're a believer, um, Jesus is still in the boat with you, okay? He's still in your soul. Um, the storms may be 90 miles an hour, okay? He's still in the boat with you. Uh, so that's the key, son. Everyone needs Jesus, and everybody's going to know that. You know, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. The, the, the thing becomes this, son, you know, for an individual person. Are they going to realize it before it's too late or only after it's too late? Are they going to stand before Jesus as their, as their judge and, and be told, depart from me, I never knew you? I mean, what could be more horrific words than that? What could be more horrible than to be told by the king of the universe who died on the cross so that you could be redeemed? If only, if only you had confessed your sin, if only you let go of that stupid obsession with material things or this or that or whatever, if only you'd have brought your addictions, be it gambling, pornography, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, if only you'd have brought your sin to the Lord and said, Lord, I need you. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm broken. Um, you know, uh, I can't fix myself, Lord. All I can give you is what I have, which is a, you know, pretty hot mess. Um, but if a person will do that son and call upon the name of the Lord, um, I mean, Saul of Tarsus was a hot mess, a persecutor of Christians. Uh, he, he was hauling them off to prison. He was watching. He was there when the first Christian uh, martyr, Stephen was stoned. Um, so he was a hot mess. But he became, you know, other than our Lord himself, you know, I mean, the, the, the greatest instrument of, of God's uh, grace, you know, just in terms of a human being. Um, Jesus was, was and is the God man, 100% God, 100% man. Uh, Paul was only a man. But he had God living within him. And Saul of Tarsus became Paul the apostle. And how did that hot mess become used of God to write all these epistles and do all this work and, and become really God's greatest messenger in history. Um, other than, uh, you know, I mean, you, you know, you got John the Baptist, you got some other real big ones, but, but the apostle Paul um, was, was nothing but a hater of Christians. So there's hope. 
there's hope for haters, son. There's hope for, for people like us who are broken and a mess and, and we need the Lord. So, uh, you know, that's where these visits are so great. And why I'm so thankful for your podcast, son, because we're talking about the most critical thing we could be talking about. I mean, there's a hundred things we could talk about. The news is covering all sorts of them, but I'll be honest with you. I don't necessarily need to know who got shot, you know, last night or today. Uh, I need the word of God in my heart today. I mean, if I happen to hear that along the way, I mean, I'm very sorry for, for what happened there, but you can listen to the news all day long and be filled with nothing but all the sins that have been committed that day. And it's like, wait a minute, time out. Uh, am I going to fill my mind with the things of God to build me up? Or, or just the things of the world, because there's no shortage of, of examples of sin in the world. You'll, you'll, especially now with the internet, son, it's ridiculous. I mean, you could fill your mind all day with the sins of others, but how about your own sin? How about your own need for a Savior? I think that's just it. You know, we look to other people. We blame other people, um, you know, for our shortcomings. You know, that's like goes back to the Twinkie defense. You know, the Twinkie made me do it. Um, when ML, when, uh, um, uh, I forget his name now in San Francisco was shot. Um, and so, you know, we like to blame others, but ultimately when we get into heaven, stand before Jesus, there's no one to blame but ourselves when Jesus right. asks, you know, depart from me, I never knew you. So mm. the choice is on us, not anybody else. You know, yeah. we like to play the blame yeah. game. Like you say, you, you, you pop up the news on the websites and the news and stuff, and especially with politics, right. everybody's blaming somebody else. You know, it's something else. It's right. this person's fault. Right. It's that person's fault. This thing made me do it. That was, you know, it wasn't me. And mm-hmm. so as we blame mm-hmm. people, you know, at some point it comes down to our personal choice. And when we're standing, uh, standing before God, we can't blame anybody else. There's going to be no one else to blame. Right. Well, son, the Bible says just that, just what you're articulating there uh, when it says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And so what I would say to every listener today, son, is, um, you know, when you, my friend, are standing before the Lord, um, it won't be you and your friends. It won't be you and your family members. It won't be you and your bank account or, or you and your status in this world. It won't be you and your religious titles or any other titles that you might have. It'll be you. Um, uh, you know, naked, you came into the world naked. You're going to go out. The only question is, are you going to be standing before the Lord with the white clothes that, that he was telling the church in Laodicea they needed the, the, the white clothes to wear, um, the white robes that are spoken of in revelation where it says these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? These are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So here's the deal, my friend. Um, You either are clothed in the righteousness of Christ right now. Your sin is covered by his blood, by his death, by his sacrifice, or it isn't. And the only way that happens is through faith in Jesus. As you repent of your sin, admit to God you're a sinner, and then as you you cling to... cling to his payment for your sin and you trust that, Hey, he died for me. I can't do anything. I can't, I I could, you know, I I could, I could try to do, you know, religious things or, or whatever. I mean, my whole life and I never would be able to pay for one of my sins. And when you come to see that, my friend, that only the blood of Jesus can wash away your sin. Um, The blood of Jesus, the Bible says, cleanses us from all sin. And that only happens through faith, not through works. When you come to see that, you are so ready. You're, you're just like, I believe that. I receive that. I trust that. And when you do, you become born again, saved, redeemed, justified, forgiven. You become a child of God, but only when you repent and believe the good news. So um, is this making sense to you? Is, 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 you know, are you hearing this? 
Um, the Holy Spirit will give you um, strength in your mind to grasp it, strength in your mind to believe it. He will convert your soul. The Bible says flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. But the Bible also says, do not resist the Holy Spirit. So in this holy moment, will you accept what you're hearing? Or will you believe the lie being whispered to you by, by Satan? I'll put it off. Not now. There's always time. Or that stuff that Son and Dan are talking about, that's just a bunch of bunk. You know, that's their theory. You know, no, it's not our theory. These are facts, my friend. This is what you need. This is what I need. Son and I need it every bit as much as you and every other human being. So now you know. Okay, now you know. So when you stand before God in judgment day, it is our prayer, our hope, our desire, and even more so God's hope and desire for you, that you will be standing there clothed in Christ's righteousness, because the only other alternative is to be naked. I mean, spiritually naked. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they, they knew all of a sudden were naked. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. And, but it was far deeper than a physical nakedness they were feeling. There was a spiritual nakedness between them and God. And I hope you feel that today, my friend, if you're not yet a believer. Because unless you know you're naked without Christ, you won't see the importance of being covered with Christ. So now, as San said a moment ago, I mean, you know, the choice is yours. God made his decision. You know, he walked down the aisle. He said, I do. He suffered an agonizing death for you on the cross. Now the question is, will you say, I do? Or will you walk away from the aisle like a runaway bride, maybe? You know, I'm not ready. I don't want it. My friend, please don't do that. You will regret it. Um, and, and hopefully you won't leave this world in that state of unbelief. Because unbelief is the one sin that cannot be forgiven. Uh, not if you die in unbelief. If you take your last breath, if God turns off the oxygen tank tonight in your sleep, um, will you today uh, be ready? Will you, will you accept Christ? Um, whoever's thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. So if that's for you, if you have ears to hear, then uh, please respond in faith. Talk to the Lord right now. Just believe, just trust. You know, acknowledge him and uh, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. So um, we, we're, we're thankful that you're listening and, and that you're, you're hearing this, this good news uh, of God's love for you. Dan Delzell, pastor at Redeemer Church in the Papillion, Nebraska. Also, also uh, author at the uh, Christian Post. So uh, many of the things that we've talked about in the past, um, you can uh, find on the Christian Post. And so, Dan, we appreciate your time coming on, talking about the different things that we go through and the frustrations and how we can handle them and the reminder to keep our focus on Jesus because, after all, that's the only thing that really matters in this world when it comes to all these things that go on. Things do happen, but if we take our focus off of Jesus and we notice the storms, like in the water when mm-hmm. uh, Peter was walking on water and as he focused on Jesus, everything was fine, but once he took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink after noticing all the waves and the storm crashing around him. So uh, we appreciate your time. We look forward to uh, many more in the future, God willing, and uh, just thanks for uh, sharing your thoughts with us. Well, it is truly uh, my joy to do so, Son. I so appreciate you and your ministry, and just being able to, to be a part of this with you is uh, uh, such a thrill. So I look forward to our next visit. And uh, and my friend, for if you're listening, we look forward to more times of being able to share with one another and with you. And, and uh, so thank you, Son, so much. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.